This message you're about to listen to was recorded live at the Redeemed Christian Church of God, the Throne Room Parish, Transcorp Hilton, Abuja. Be blessed as you listen. An environment like this will be critical for the content that I represent. I feel excited about such confidence. Such confidence will mean nothing though, except that God is committed. That the life of man must be impacted consistently by his grace, enough to bring the kind of change that society can be grateful for. That is the kind of commitment that binds us together. And a day like this will not be another time to appear in church and to leave. It must be a day that we appear to make a contact that for the rest of our life, people will never forget that we visited someone. That person will not be human. It will be the very essence of your existence. His name is Jesus, resident right inside of you and ready to give you an experience of a lifetime. A day with Christ is supposed to be an engine that you receive great capacity to share with your world such that the people who come in contact with you, we know that a force is resident on your inside. When the results of your life cannot mark a difference between those who don't know Christ, you have questions to answer. And those questions are clear within you. And it's a responsibility you must accept on a daily basis. I thank this church for its commitment and its vision. The Redeemed Christian Church of God is a champion ministry, a pioneer, mega ministry, instructing many other ministries. It's always a honor and a privilege to associate with this grace. The geo of this house has worked tenaciously under grace to communicate integrity at a level. And as many have chosen to plug into that kind of energy, have received incredible inspiration and great joy. And so we must celebrate such grace. This house represents a fraction of that critical goal. And the leaders of this house, the pastor, the pastors, the, the workers, the deacons, and all the beautiful people who work behind the scene, the Lord is preparing packages for you to lead you to your highest glory, to teach you, to guide you, and to let you know that service is a quality that brings men to their own level of comfort and strength that will make you define your own service. And we rejoice for that kind of opportunity today in Jesus' name. Open your Bible, if you have one, very quickly to 2 Timothy in chapter 3. I want to share an idea with you. And I'm confident that by God's spirit, by God's grace, that idea will continue to live in your spirit, in your life, and in all that concerns you. Are you in 2 Timothy chapter 3? I want to read from verse 14. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood, everybody say childhood, from childhood you have known the holy scriptures. One translation says you have known the sacred writing, which are able to make you wise for salvation. One translation says which is able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation for through faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We live in complex times, guys. Our times are not strange at all. The Bible actually calls it perilous times. It's a time that has a specific definition. Experiences in our times are not supposed to be a shock for the Principal actors in these times. Christians are not just supposed to be a part of the times. We are actually stakeholders and custodians of the times. The world must express its cluelessness and its hopelessness as a proof of the shallowness that they know on a daily basis. And the church must express its highest wisdom on a daily basis as a proof that the owner and the creator of the universe is right inside of them. It is therefore an aberration if the people in the church and the people in the world share the same level of hopelessness and cluelessness and interpret at the same level despite the fact that the contents and the container that drive both of them are completely different. When God drives you and a fool drives you, the result should be different. Are we on the same page? The world is sustained on a daily basis by the counsel of the evil one, otherwise called the adversary. The church is sustained on a daily basis by the counsel of our maker. And he assured us that I will build my church. 
The building of the church is not the responsibility of any pastor or of any teacher, of any prophet or any apostle or evangelist. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If what Jesus is building is what we know, we have to ask questions about his efficacy and his strength. Maybe, just maybe, instructions are not being followed according to the directions of the master. I must say something about what the gentleman said about how Jesus parted everywhere. For whatever it is worth, you know, balance is very important. The Bible says false balance is an abomination to God. So we have to put things in perspective. Don't go for parties. Jesus wasn't going for parties. He was invited as a stakeholder in the party. So if you go to a party and you are just one of the people there, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus was the guest. He was able to talk to the owners. He spoke. They gave him a platform. So if they invite you to a party as a guest speaker, please go. But if you are just going to be one of the guys in the crowd, that's not where you should be. And Jesus was a kind of person who could put the madness of the environment in perspective, enough to show quality. If you don't have that kind of strength, you go for a party, you will go with the party. Many have gone. Are we on the same page? So be careful and apply wisdom. Have I spoken? Okay. That's important, though. Very, very, very important. Very, very important. However, the essence in that message is clear. The church still reserves a level of strength that must be communicated very strongly so that society can understand its essence and its value. Our Bible calls these times perilous. It said men will be born in impassion for men and women will be born in impassion for women. Something we call lesbianism and homosexuality will take the center stage. In our times, people will be unthankful. People will be haters of good. A man's enemies shall be members of his household. We will see diseases of all kinds. Some of them curable, some incurable. Natural disasters will speak to the souls of men. People will be perplexed by incredible disasters that people are not, science is not able to explain. Global warming and climate change have tried to put the natural disasters in perspective. But even they know that something is happening. And that thing is heavy and huge. And is determining life for so many people across the globe. And we find wars and rumors of wars. And we find all kinds of things happening in our times. Evil is receiving capacity for expression. And justifiably so. The Bible says in these times that we call perilous, darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. He said, but the light and the glory of God will rise on the field. He said, that surely they will be casting down. But they will be lifting up for some people. And those people are in this room today. What is wrong, however, is beyond amen. Amen means so be it, so be what? The idea is knowledge must precede that amen. Otherwise, you can say amen unto nuisance. People are deliberately saying amen, and amen is not adding value. Look, people are sincerely in prison. People are sincerely poor. People are sincerely frustrated. People are sincerely confused because it's not enough to be sincere. Sincerity is not an independent variable. It's a dependent one. If all you have is sincerity, you are still stranded. Sincerity must find its way and plug into responsibility. That's the name of the game. So no matter how sincere you are, you need to have knowledge to engage and to understand the times. So I've been poor, I've been young, I'm not old yet, but I've seen the righteous begging bread. As David didn't see it for some reason, but I've seen it and you have seen it. We've seen the righteous begging bread and we've seen the righteous confess that he has been forsaken, even though the Lord never forsakes. Ignorance is playing a major role in the destiny of men. And people are not able to define their realities because, because they lack the kind of knowledge that can instruct their spirits and give them a level of balance to engage society. Society is getting complex and more complex. And when complexities are intensified, there is a greater and greater demand on knowledge. And the Bible says knowledge shall increase in our time. Is part of the character of the times. But what we note is that information precedes the expression of knowledge. So we live in a time of information age, they call it, but there's so much information, there's little knowledge. Because the goal of knowledge is transformation. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Some smaller minds have tried to update that scripture as if Christ made a mistake when he said you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So people try to help Jesus by saying, well, because they've seen that people have seemed to be knowing so much truth 
and they are not being free. So they thought, okay, maybe the way to say it is, you shall know the truth, and the truth that you know that you practice has set you free. To accept that philosophy, to accept that idea, is to suggest that Jesus made a mistake when he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. There is nothing like you shall know the truth, and the truth that you know that you practice shall not set you free. If the truth is truth, it will set you free. The goal of truth is transformation and change. The problem is we think that the truth that Jesus Christ was talking about is mere information or data. Christ wasn't talking about information. When Pastor Pilate asked Jesus, what is the truth? Jesus did not bother to answer because it's not a waster. The Bible says, he that wastes is a brother to him that destroys. So Jesus won't waste resources, he won't waste words. So when he was asked, what is the truth? It was a wrong question. Answering it is to give credence to imbalance. So Jesus had to embrace silence because the right question should have been, who is the truth? Because he said, you, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what that says is that truth is not information, it's a personality. And when you know that personality, change will occur. What is happening is people are receiving a lot of information about the personality. They are not comprehending the personality. People are coming to a God who has. They are not coming to a God who is. They are coming to a God who has wisdom, not a God who is wisdom. People are coming to a God who has miracles, not a God who is the miracle. People are coming to a God who has love, not to God love himself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the moment you receive that truth in your life, transformation should be your next experience. Now, those who know don't know why they know. And that's the challenge of our times. And so the Bible says, always learning. That's some people. Never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Because it is possible to know and not learn. It's possible to know and not learn. Because you know physics does not mean you can use physics to create a plane. That's interpretation. I've been talking to you. So understanding is key here. Our times should raise a head. A sincere, concerned spirit should ask questions about the kind of presence we must be in the times that we have accepted. How do we engage? How do we communicate our difference? The Bible says, call you not a confederacy, what they call a confederacy. Fear not what they fear. Sanctify to yourself the Lord of hosts. Him you shall fear, him you shall dread, and it shall be a covenant unto you. And that's the same chapter where he said, I and the children the Lord has given me, we are for signs and wonders in Israel. But something preceded that. Fear not what they fear. But if you listen to the Christian today, and you listen to the non-Christian, our fears are equal. And when you are equal in expectation, desires, and methodology, you are equal, therefore, in quality. And so we are reducing the whole capacity of heaven to pursue the same kind of goals that people are pursuing with mere discipline. Why should you use a truck to pull a chair? It's a waste of resources. It's a chair. A finger can lift it. When somebody comes to carry the chair with his finger, and you want to carry the same chair, and you come with a truck or a tractor, something is wrong. We have to take a second look at you. Maybe you are not singing well. Maybe you think it's a house. It's a chair. You don't need a truck to pull a chair. You need a hand. Am I talking to you? So when, when unbelievers work hard through superior customer care and market segmentation and inner discipline, and they pursue a job consistently at a level, and get the resources to buy a car. And you need that car. You need angelic support, anointing oil, a prayer of agreement. You, 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 you need anointing service. You need, you need all, this, all the scriptures and the promises of God. And you need the whole of heaven to come down and support you to buy a system that sinners are buying with superior customer care. You have reduced the whole of heaven to customer relationship. I don't understand. Am I talking to you? Our prayer points are silly. You know, if Bill Gates walks into this room, at times when you are praying, and he has a system to hear our prayer points, he would think he's God. Because he can solve all the problems. He would just say, ah, maybe I'm God, I don't know. Because all the things he's asking for, I can solve it. 
If you find you get in the elevator, how do you preach? What do you say to him? The gospel of Africa that is economics sensitive? Don't you know that's our, our gospel? How are you going to tell him you can make it? He will say, I can make what? <laughs> do you know who I am? I'm the richest man in the world. <laughs> what are you going to say? God can help you. What are you going to say? What will you say to a gentleman that is not aware of problems? He's married, he has children. <laughs> Woo! I wish I have time. Listen to me. The problems you have and you call God for. Some American will have that same, that same problem. He's just going to pick a pen and paper and start thinking. And six months down the line, he has results. And his environment is wired to support his growth. So he may even get the result faster than you that prayed. There are some prayer points that are not prayer points. They are action points. Hello? Give to Caesar what is Caesar. Give to God what is God. What is happening in our time? We give to God what is Caesar's. And we give to Caesar what is God. The problem is we don't know everything on the list of the things that belong to Caesar. And we don't know everything on the list of the things that belong to God. God cannot help you cough no matter how much he loves you. If you need to cough, don't cough. You choke to death. God can't step down himself and say, let me help you cough. God can't help you use the bathroom no matter how much you fast. When you are hungry, you don't need to pray. Feel like eating, eat. That's God's voice. The feeling of hunger is God's voice telling you you need to act now. My son, in Jesus' name. Then you act based on that. Are we getting it? If you are hungry, you say, Lord, should I eat? Wow. You will hear the most resounding silence. Because what you are asking him to do is to be a part of your imbalance. And a perfect God won't be part of your nuisance. And please, when I use words like nuisance, uh, foolishness, I'm not trying to insult anybody. Let me make that clear. I say that everywhere. Foolishness is not an insult. It's a state of existence. It means there is a set of behavior. It means there is a set of behavior that agrees with a definition. And as you cannot call a carpenter a surgeon, you can't call a fool a wise person and call a wise person a fool. So you can't act foolish and will say you are wise. Oh, foolish Galatians, because they were foolish. There was no positive confession. I said, ah, positive confession. So they are wise, oh, wise Galatians. Well, they are acting foolish. Oh, foolish Galatians. Are we on the same page? And, and there's something called nuisance value. There's something called nuisance value. The value of your contribution to the disorderliness, underdevelopment, and irritation of society. That's nuisance value. Like driving one way. Once you drive one way, that's nuisance right there. Because you are contributing to our underdevelopment, our disorderliness, and you are irritating your environment. So people confidently communicate foolishness every day. They are confident fools. Have you met, have you met one before? I've seen, I've seen six foot tall, broad chested drifters. I've seen pretty empty minds. I've seen handsome, arms, very handsome, empty minds. I've seen jeep driving confused entities. Oh, yeah. Foolishness has something to do with design. You can be a handsome fool. You can be a pretty fool. That's the difference between container and content. When you pay for Coca-Cola, you pay for Coca-Cola, liquid content. As a deliberate attempt to emphasize that the content is critical. The container is the packaging to deceive those who observe you temporarily to define the true quality of your content. Container is attractive, it's important to engage it. But only content sustains. And it's important you outgrow the smallness and the limits of container to begin to ask questions about how strong you are from the inside. That's why the Holy Ghost does not live by your side. It lives inside of you. <laughs> Have you noticed? It doesn't work with you by your side, no. Because inner strength is superior to your outer roles. Am I talking to you? 
For nine years, I didn't have a child. For nine years, I didn't have a child. And people came to tell me all kinds of silly stuff. I say this before God not to brag. For nine years, I didn't have a child. For nine years, I didn't pray about a child. My theology could not accept to pray about a child. Let me tell you something. Jesus is your perfect theology. In the past, Jesus spoke in sundry times. He spoke, the Lord spoke through prophets and spoke through the, 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 the Lord. In our times, Jesus is speaking helplessly. God is speaking helplessly through Jesus. And anything that Jesus did not model is not critical. He didn't have a child. He adopted. Thank God for adoption. All of us will be safe in hell. You know, there's something biology cannot interpret. If biology is the only way to communicate fruitfulness, then Jesus made a mistake by not marrying and giving birth to all of us. Just imagine that the only way to be born again is for Christ to have sex and give birth to you. Because that's the limit of biology. How many people can he save? If the only way Christ can save the world is to employ biology, it means, first of all, you will marry wives. Because to save the African Christians alone, how many women will give birth to them? And how many times will they have sex? So that tells you the limits of biology and tells you that biology is too small to define the strength of your destiny. And those who are waiting for God to come and give them one child one day, and when people don't have children, they believe, and society allows them to believe that they are in a partial state of expression of their journey of existence. And you are allowed to be sad. Your sadness is forgivable. Just because you don't have a child. Or because you are not married. And he's sick. If having a child is the way to a testimony, Jesus must have made a mistake. Because he didn't even get married. That means marriage is not that critical after all. Let me make this statement. You'll be angry, but I don't care. Marriage is overrated. Look, marriage is overrated. If marriage is the thing that everybody must have, then everybody married should be happy. I'm telling you, in 2014, my God, those who are married desperately want to be single, yet those who are single want to be married. I tell people, if people are running away from the house you are running into, you should take a second look at the house. I tell people, the best actors are not in Hollywood. The best actors are in marriages. Faking peace. Faking joy, faking love, tortured on a daily basis and pretending to be happy all the same. It's called suffering and smiling. What do you think? Marriage is a happy thing. I'm happily married. But there's an education that must precede that commitment. And when a girl is 38 and is 39 and there's no boyfriend, Society expects her to be sorry. She mustn't drive a kind of car. She mustn't dress in a particular way. And if by 40 they, there's no man, she should relocate and go and become a nanny in London. <laughs> she should not be proud of a job. She should be sorry. Her mother will tell you you should be sorry. Her father will tell you you should be sorry. Society will come with their long accusing fingers and say you are not complete. Go to Mushi. Go and see married people. Cursing their husband. It means having a husband is not a pathway to prosperity, therefore. Hello? What about children? What about children? Biladin had many children. Biladin. Something is wrong with our theology. There's something wrong with our theology. Biladin, somebody who wakes up to plan to kill, had so many children. Then prostitutes who have a commitment never to, to they are not interested in marriage for one minute. They just want to have some kind of resources through use of their body. 
And then they have erected all kinds of family planning structures. Bills, seven up. All kinds of things. Condom, drum con. All kinds. Just to make sure I must not get pregnant. I don't want a baby. That's not part of the deal. Science and research studies have shown that the highest collection of fetus is in Brutels. Despite an intentional commitment to raise structures to prevent pregnancy, they get pregnant again and again against their will. They have no faith to get pregnant. They have, they have faith not to get pregnant. But they get pregnant again and again. And then an armed robber, I won't mention her name, went to rob in a house in Abuja here. She went to the house of a popular newscaster. I don't want to mention her name. Who was at the level of Senior Howell Brown. And you know who I'm talking about? Got into her house as robbers. Bad enough. Then they decided to rape. That's number two crime. Not to embarrass her in any way. Just to bring a wisdom out of her. And they raped her and she took him for the arm robber. Somebody came to rape. Came to rob. Bad enough. Decided to rape. Bad enough. There was still conception. And then, opposite my estate in Lagos, then, I drove out of the estate one day, I saw a naked mad woman, stinking, complete lunatic, pregnant. The next week I was driving out, I saw her pregnant. She was lying down, face down on the pregnancy. Obviously, she's not aware that she's pregnant. She's that off. Then I asked myself, who got her pregnant? It must be a ritualist or a sexual pervert or a fellow mad person. I don't know a fourth one. <laughs> it must be one of the three that got her pregnant. Now, let's assume having a baby, getting pregnant, is a result of inner discipline or faith alignment or spiritual awareness or inner consciousness. Let's assume a spiritual strength or seed of prayer and faith. Which of them did the arm robber have in rape? And which of them did the mad woman and the ritualist have? And which of those did the ritualist and the mad woman have? And which of them does a, a, a madman and a married woman have? And which of them did the prostitutes have? And which of them did Biladin have? And all these people get, born, get pregnant again and again. I have seen fools get pregnant. I have seen the most unconscious. In fact, one day I was trying to turn in GRE. I saw a woman selling sweets. She had eight children. I had to come down to say, you, are, you, are, you don't know what is wrong with you. But take money all the same because you are in trouble. Only you eight children, how will you take care of them? I said, I wish I know your husband. I would just beg God, God, let me just backslide for one minute. I would just give him one more hot slap and return to Christ. <laughs> eight children. The first time, the second time, the third time, eight. I said, my honey, let's pack. We packed, we gave our money, but we said, honestly, there's crisis ahead. Just take this because with all the resources of my life, I have only one child and I'm not sure I won't have another one. In fact, I've made a list of the people I want to adopt. There's no time. In fact, when we went through the first baby, I said, hey, just to have one baby, this crisis is too much. I'm not sure I'm going to go through the second one. Do you know what school fees are saying these days? One guy said, I'm just trusting God. School fees. Your wife is praying again. School fees. Your wife is praying again. School fees, you know what you're struggling school fees. Said, Your wife is pregnant again. <laughs> so next year I get I'm going to come and say school fees. <laughs> if you don't have it, then don't do it. Nobody is caning you to go and do it. I say you must have sex tonight. Bam, start. Start. Praise God. Am I talking to you? I knew. That God rules in the affairs of men. And that if an armed robber can have children, if terrorists can have a child, if armed robbers can have a child, 
If prostitutes can have a child, why should I, as a righteous man of God, begin to beg God for a baby that a number robber did not beg him for? I think it's an insult. If I have to beg him for a baby, man, tomorrow morning, I'll just go and light one long Indian with four bottles of rap and drink. What's the point? I mean, what's the point? It's like I'm causing trouble for you guys. So for nine years, on my wife's birthday, one of those years, somebody, some people came to the house and said they wanted to pray for my wife's birthday. We said, okay, let's do that. Great. Our birthday, let's pray. They started praying. After the prayer, they said, now, move back. Go to decree. The fruit of the womb. I said, I opened my eyes. He said, no, please. You've been praying since I accepted all the prayer points. But this one, before you can pray it, tell me the ones that Biladim prayed to be able to have his children, his many children. If you didn't pray like this, I'm not going to pray this prayer with you. I don't have all knowledge, but this knowledge I have. I will, if when God is ready, you give me, I'm not asking God, God, when will you give me a child? I am asking him what kind of child is coming. And who do I need to be to be able to nurture that child and show strength and responsibility? That's what I'm using my energy to do. So on my birthday... My wife and I got home. Some guys have thrown a big party for us as a surprise party at one of the biggest hotels in Lagos. And we had fun. My time is running. God will help me. You have to begin to pray for me. My time is actually up, actually. So, I then went in. I still have some time. Yeah, they want me to take question and answer. So I'm trying to rush up. So, we got home, something happened between us, we nearly argued. You know how men used to have their cockiness? We were about to get into argument, my wife said, ah, today is your birthday. Come on, let's just enjoy ourselves and peace and have fun and have a great night. Ah, that makes sense. So, <laughs> we just went into that activity and that was it. Nine months after, bouncing baby boy. Nine months after, bouncing baby boy. And things transformed. And I've seen ten years four times with some mistress. You can guess how old I am. You can have an idea. Ten years, four times with some mistress. Nobody can fool me again. After 40 something years on, in this world and engaging with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis for almost half of it, come on. If deception has a meaning, it should stop by this age. Am I talking to you? You need to wake up, guys. There's something wrong with our theology. And some people have built ministries on that foot of the womb activity. With punk ignorance exchanging value there. Hello? Let me tell you something. Anything that impacts on you and changes who you are is more powerful than you. Anything that impacts on you and changes who you are is more powerful than you. I'm going to connect my scripture. How did I know that statement? If I throw a bomb on you now, it's going to change who you are to a spirit being instantly. Am I correct? Because anything that impacts on you and changes who you are is more powerful than you. So I can understand the arrival of something fresh in your life. Like a new car and a new house and a new wife. When they come, there's an excitement that comes with that initially. I understand that. But if that arrival moves beyond excitement and begins to change you, you are becoming more extrovertic. I give you a car, and all of a sudden, the car is making you more outspoken. The car is making you more expressive. The car is making you more outgoing. The car is making you more extrovertic. Then the car is changing who you are. Then though breathless, it's more powerful than you. And meat pies are more powerful than some ladies in 2013. Moravian here can make sense. Moravian. Or Shawama. Oh, Shawama works on campuses. Shawama works there. <laughs> a car is not a testimony. It's a tool of effectiveness. It's our years of experience, our years, our history of poverty 
that allows us to celebrate a car as a comfort zone. A car is designed to give you speed, effectiveness, and efficiency. Anything more than that is evil. People now receive cars and come to church on Sunday to torture people in the name of testimonies. They are not celebrating what God has done. They are celebrating the fact that they have one small thing that others don't have. And it is the smallness of the majority that defines the bigness of what they represent. The strength of a material is in its universal appeal. In its global weight, a microphone should be a microphone in every economy. A shoe should be a shoe everywhere. Once you are tall, you should be tall everywhere. You can't be tall in Ghana last night and be short in Lagos because you crossed the border. Once you are tall, you are tall. Once you are fat, you should be fat. You can't be fat in Kano last night because you travel south, you are skinny the next day. Once you are tall, you are tall in any economy, you will be tall. A microphone will be a microphone in any economy, in Ghana, in London, everywhere. If you are a millionaire, you should be a millionaire in every currency. If you are a millionaire only in Naira and once you go to London, you become thousands, you are never a millionaire. <laughs> Hello? Hello? I'm going somewhere. The deposit, the deposit of ignorance in your locale and the weights of mediocrity in your environment has defined the smallness of your own character such that you are passing the test of locality and failing the test of universality. You are now a good champion in a local environment with a beautiful crown on your head, seated on it because you own a throne that belongs to a one-eyed king in the land of the blind. And some of the red carpets people receive here will be no carpet once they cross this country. They receive the red carpet in Nigeria because the people who lay the carpets don't know better. The standards of measuring value, honor, and integrity is completely flawed. Our standards of respect are completely flawed. And when somebody looks the part, talks the part, and wears the part, we give him all our value, even if that's a well-dressed dummy. Messing up the economy with his excesses and whims and fancies, and messing up the system, and until somebody's driving a Range Rover, he can't get space of honor. And if somebody is not wearing some kind of Brazilian hair or Mongolia or Fumi or whatever the name is. <laughs> now, I'm not saying you don't wear those FBs. Wear them, gum them, gum it. I'm not saying you don't wear them. I'm saying they shouldn't be the determinant of the value you know. No. Are we together? Am I talking to you? I need to close now. The idea is there must be more to the people who have been taught. The Bible says from childhood we have known the sacred writing which is able to give us the wisdom. The translation says which is able to make us wise unto salvation. Most of us are saved but we are not free yet. We are still crying free men, feeling special because of the forgiving mediocrity of our environment. You are not the light of Abuja. You are not the light of Lagos. You have something inside of you that works and that thing has the capacity for global relevance. You are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. You are not supposed to be the light of Wusetu or Gudu district. You are the lights of the world. There's an engine on your inside capable of getting global attention. Our continent is small because the guys in church are not taking some kind of responsibility. We produce what we don't consume in Africa. We consume what we don't produce. There's no economy that can survive under the question. We've received aids and support from the world for over 50 years. We are still the world's poorest continent telling us that a begging bowl is not a pathway to prosperity of any kind. And for every degree of favor that you seek, you lose a level of freedom, whether you are aware of it or not. And Africa has been trading its freedom consistently for years. For every one pound we receive in aid, we give back 14 pounds through trade restrictions. I will forgive the world if they are not able to understand those kind of dynamics 
I'll forgive sinners and the secular if they cannot interpret the kind of value that society must experience. We can't forgive those who carry the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, who talk to the maker of the world on a daily basis, who forget that the balance of society is resident right here in the church. Research can find the cure to AIDS. Four hours of worship can, can reveal the cure to AIDS. Studies can find the cure to cancer after investing 15 years and maybe $10 billion. But after a short prayer meeting, the Lord can deliver it to you. Well, anybody that has the cure to AIDS will be a billionaire overnight. Can you handle that? The highest giver to any cause is Bill Gates. He has given more than the Holy Spirit can move you to give. Not because the Holy Spirit does not want to move you to give, but even the Bible says giving is acceptable according to what a man has, not what he does not have. So the Holy Ghost wants to move you to give, but from where? You have to have it first. So he's trying to move you to have it. But the little money you have has already blinded you to all that you can still have. Jesus died for your wealth. I hope you know. He became poor so that you, through his poverty, can become rich. The riches that Jesus died for cannot be what Bill Gates have. And I've studied that word riches. It's gold and silver. It's not better. If what, Jesus, if what Bill Gates have is what Jesus died for, then Jesus died in vain. What Jesus died for is bigger than what Bill Gates have. We don't even have what Bill Gates have yet. How much more to have what Jesus died for? When you supply them in the Old Testament, they call it manna. What is this? They couldn't describe it. The New Testament call it the unsearchable riches of Christ. Hidden treasures of dark places. A lot of weight is still available. But the few millions of our lives is blinding us. If five billion fools say you are wise, how wise are you? If one million lunatics say nobody is normal but you, will you testify? One million lunatics. Nobody is normal but you. Will you rejoice? So who is praising you? Who is rejoicing about your status? What value are you having? How is society grateful? You are so rich and our economy is poor. You are so valuable and nobody can feel it. Society is not grateful that you are on ground. I say to Christians every time, if by December 31st night, every night December 31st, there is a door that everybody must pass through. And the only reason why you will cross to the other side is through impact. Once you don't have impact, the machine will just kill you. If that's what happens every new year, the world will be a better place. Because it won't be 7 billion. It will be about 300,000. Oh, yeah. Because people just be dying every time the first night. Because people are living cold, lousy lives, taking care of their small stomachs, getting the attention of the few small minds in their environment, and ignoring the bigger sea that is on ground. They are running a storm in a teacup when they can run a storm that the world can feel. And the Holy Ghost that we have is not the one that can get the attention of three, four people. Bible says you can do exceedingly, abundantly, above, whatever you can think or imagine. Stop asking God to give you a car. Somebody needs to begin to ask God, give me the first major Nigeria car selling in all the capitals of the world. Attracting, purchasing power from all over the world, bringing it home to Lagos or bringing it home to headquarters in Abuja, impacting directly on GDP and per capita income, creating jobs. Instead of traveling, hoping to one day travel abroad, one day I will travel abroad. Some people's dream is to one day sit in business class. That's their dream. One day I will travel first class. One day. It's not going to work that way, guys. We have to outgrow all of those and begin to show strength and quality by recognizing that every soul that names the name of the Lord is on assignment. There is a picture you're supposed to be conforming to. Christ did not die for your comfort. He died for you to join the 99 coins who will be busy looking for the lost coin. The problem of our time is that though people are saved, we are still trying to save them, though they are saved, and you are still part of the lost coin that we are looking for, instead of the lost coin joining the 99 coins to form the army of the Lord that will keep looking for the lost coin. Our case must outgrow being pathetic. We have to begin to show strength and quality and think of the kind of success that when we show it, the world can ask questions about our source. When something becomes mysterious, curiosity is created immediately. 
People ask you, how did you do it? What's your secret? So the lost mountain shall be exalted as chief among the mountain, and everybody will come and stream to it and say, Zion, show us your way. Teach us concerning your model. What is happening to you? Your economic model is working. There's poverty everywhere. You are creating jobs. How is it working? How are you moving? And then when we begin to show that kind of quality in economics, in arts, in sciences, and all of those, and the God of inspiration is right there on our inside to drive us to that level of value. But first of all, we must change the dynamics and outgrow the limits of materialism and all those things that the sinners also pursue when the critical assignment for us is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Not a few things. All other things shall be added unto you. The car you want, the house you need, the friends you need, the billions you need, the resources you need. I'll say this before I drop this mic and this will be my last. Give me five more minutes. It's assignment that determines the strength of your resources. If I send you to Lagos, I'll give you 100,000 naira. Or maybe 500,000 naira. Go to Lagos for three days, come back, stay in the hotel, 500,000 naira. Fly business class and fly black. If I send you to Wuse, I'll give you, I'll give you to Guru District, how much will I give you? I'll give you 5,000 naira or 10,000 naira. I'll say go and come back and it will determine how much I give you and how much time I ask you to go and come back. If I send you to London, I'll give you maybe one million. I'll give you two weeks to go and come back. So I can stay in the hotel, buy your ticket and all of that. Can't you see something there? It is where I sent you. It is the picture of the assignment. It is the content of the errand that determines how much money I gave you and how long you spent delivering the assignment. You can't choose to be a millionaire. It's your assignment that determines how much money you have in your lifetime. Now, when you don't know your assignment, you'll be pursuing what is not your responsibility. You are going to be a millionaire by force if your assignment requires millions. We struggle for where God has not sent us. If you are supposed to solve a billion dollar problem, God will send you one billion dollars. But when you don't even know the problem, you are asking for one billion dollars because you want to spend it on your pleasures. And James chapter 4 says you are asking amis. And he says you don't receive because you do not ask. And when you ask, you ask on the wrong motive. When you are asking those kind of things based on assignment. Based on assignment. Resources is guaranteed. And how long you live is not by how long you live. Understand that it's your assignment that determines all of that. It's long, if long life is the testimony, then Jesus was an embarrassment. Because he died at 33 it didn't matter for him to stay at 34 or to die at 28. It was important that he fulfills the assignment. And when the assignment was fulfilled at 33, he departed with joy. 2,000 years after, the whole world is still looking for peace through his name. Unlike Methuselah, that lived almost forever. Nobody is aware that he came, how much more that he left. The only record in the books is that he lived long. People have come and go. Billions. Nobody knew they came. How much more that he left. There are 80-year-olds suffering, confused, dejected. There are 35-year-olds, who are 33-year-olds who came to this world, turned it around. Stephen died at a very young age. The world is talking about him till today. It's not how long you live. The idea is to know that the credibility of existence is superior to the longevity of it. Focus on that assignment. Find that assignment. There's assignment's protective power. You can't crash in any plane. Hello. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Nothing can kill you except it's your time. And what is plane crash? It's a type of death. Something must kill you. Praise the Lord. Are you on the same page? You can't, you're not going to live forever. Something must kill you one day. Praise God. Look, there are different means of transportation. Air transport, road transport, water transport. So there are different ways to die. There are different ways to see heaven. Rapture is one of the ways. Death is one of the ways. It doesn't matter. What is critical is, when you get to the other side, what do you want? To die on your bed and go to hell. I'd rather die in a plane crash and get to the other side. And Jesus says, welcome, good and faithful servant. The pain of plane crash is less than one second. I'm at the other side already. Whether you die on your bed, it's less than one second. Are you on the same page? Am I confessing negative? No. I'm trying to let you know what you carry. People pray when they enter the plane. They cover the blood with the, the tire of the plane. The pilot, 
They cover, when they enter a car going to Abuja, they pray, they cover the driver, the car, they cover everything. When they are going to the toilet, they don't pray. When they are going to the next street, they don't pray. They suggest, therefore, that the power of God to save and the power of the devil to cause evil is distance sensitive, such that how long you travel determines how much power must be available to save. And how much you travel and how far you travel determines how much God will save. Hey, let me tell you something. 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 I need to go. Let me tell you something. I need to go. If the devil can kill you at all, he can kill you right there on your bed and he can kill you on the way to Abuja or to the kitchen. If God can save you at all, he can save you right there on your bed to the kitchen or on any distance. When I get on the plane, I don't think, I don't begin to pray, Lord, keep this plane. The plane is kept by my assignment. When Jesus was in the storm, and the storm was shifting, and shifting, and shifting, he knew something is written of me in the volume of his books. And in that thing, my death is on the cross, not on water. So, I can't drown. I'm supposed to die on the cross. No matter how this thing shakes, it's beyond faith. First of all, is preceded by understanding. He said Jesus had faith in the boat. Before the faith, he had knowledge. He knew our end is in the cross, not on the boat. So when you have understanding, no matter how much the thing is shaking, you are confident and you win souls. Who have won many souls through turbulence in the plane. When the plane is shaking, I, I'm, I'm afraid though because I'm a human being. But I use knowledge to calm down. And I do like this. Take it easy. Ah. One woman held me and said, sir, sir, why are you shaking? I said, no, calm down. Last, last, we all die. <laughs> At the end of the turbulence, she asked me. At the end of the turbulence, she asked me. You were not afraid. You were so calm. I said, the difference between you and me is that I was born for a reason. And I will live here when I'm done with that reason. You don't know why you are born. And you don't know why you are here. You need instruction and you need guidance. Follow me. And I'll make you something powerful. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those who know their God shall be strong and do his Rise to your feet, everybody. I welcome you to a new world. We believe you have been blessed by this message. To download this message, please visit our podcast at The Throne Room on your handheld device or computer. For any inquiries, Call 08087-000004 or visit the Life Center at number 20 Colorado Close off Dame Street, Maitama Abuja. You can also visit our website, www.rccgthroneroom.org. You are highly lifted, highly favored. Highly favored.